Our scripture reading for this morning is from Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is a covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. Let us pray. Almighty God, uh, we invite you, write your law on our hearts. Fill us with your spirit that we might have the courage to follow and live faithfully in ways that will honor you and bring your kingdom to earth. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Wow, God's law written on my heart. I kind of like the sound of that. Uh, no need for a mediator. Uh, I don't have to have some old guy go up on the mountain to listen to God and then to come down the mountain and tell me what I'm supposed to do or what I'm not supposed to do. Uh, nobody else has to tell me what to do. It can actually be instruction that God gives directly to me. Uh, this is not rules carved into some tablets that have to be somehow able to apply in every time in every situation across the centuries. My life doesn't have to be subject to the theological interpretations of other people. God will write God's law on my heart for me to understand, for me to interpret, and for me to follow. You know, that sounds really good to me. Until I realize that God writes the law on other people's hearts too. God puts the law in you just like God puts the law in me. Well, that's more complicated. What if the law written on your heart disagrees with the law written on my heart? What are we to do with that disagreement? What if we understand what God's written differently in our different lives? How will I know who's in and who's out? Who's saved and who's lost? Who needs to seek forgiveness? How will I know what behaviors to accept and which ones to scold? In our culture, a part of the way that I prove that I'm okay is by proving that the other person is not okay. Yeah, sure, I may have some faults, but at least I'm not as bad as so-and-so down the street. If God wrote the law on other people's hearts too, then I can't control them. I have no way of pointing a finger at them, no way of trying to make them conform to right doctrine or right belief. Well, maybe I don't like this passage from Jeremiah so much after all. Maybe I don't like God's law written on everyone's hearts. Except that's exactly the way the Gospels work. Jesus meets everyone exactly where they are with exactly what they need. Salvation is as individual as the person. You may remember the story of the centurion who had a sick servant and he comes to Jesus and says, uh, Master, would you heal my servant? And Jesus says, I'll go with you. The centurion says, no, you don't need to do that. No need for you to come to my house. 
I, I know how authority works. That I tell one to go here and he goes and the other one to stay here and he stays. I know that if you command that my servant will be healed. And Jesus is so impressed with his faith that he says, you know, you're, that, that your servant is healed. And, and he offers grace to this centurion because he makes a speech about authority. Then, you know, the story of the thief on the cross. All he does is ask Jesus to remember him. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So the centurion is saved with a speech about authority and the, uh, and the thief on the cross is saved by simply asking to be remembered. And then uh, think about the rich young ruler who misses out on salvation because Jesus' requirement for him is to go sell all that you have, give it to the poor and come and follow me. And the young ruler went away sad because he owned many things. And yet Zacchaeus, the tax collector, the thief, uh, only had to give away half of his possessions. And Jesus uh, praised him and forgave him. And then uh, Joseph of Arimathea, one of the religious elite that followed Jesus, was a rich man. But the only thing he wound up having to give up was a hole in the ground. It was his grave in which Jesus was buried. And so uh, the rich young ruler is supposed to give away all. The, uh, Zacchaeus, the thief, has to give away half. And Joseph of Arimathea gets to keep almost all of his riches. It doesn't seem fair in the way that we think about fair. Uh, Jesus is meeting different people at different places. And then I think about the paralytic. You remember the one that his friends lowered him through the roof? Jesus was teaching in a house, and these uh, four friends brought their paralyzed friend uh, on a stretcher. They couldn't get into the house through the door because of the crowd, so they went up on the roof, and they dug a hole in the roof, and they lowered their friend down right at the feet of Jesus. Well, Jesus healed the man, and he said that he forgave his sins because of the faith of his friends. The faith of his friends saved him. Well, that's not the way we like to think about it. That might even make us kind of uncomfortable. The notion that somebody else's faith might be what saves us or that my faith might be what saves somebody else. That's really a different take on it than what we're used to. And it might make us a little bit nervous. Can my relationship with Christ bring grace and forgiveness to others? The list goes on and on. Everybody in the Gospels meets Jesus in a different way, in a different place with different needs. And Jesus' expectations of them seem to vary from person to person. Jesus meets each person where they are with what they need. And by the way, no one in the Gospels ever prays to receive Christ. No one in the Gospels ever asked Jesus into their hearts, but there are lots of other ways that they do meet Jesus. God wrote, God wrote the law on each individual heart so that each individual would be able to respond. You know, maybe we refer to that as conscience. Maybe we want to call it a still small voice. We might call it the Holy Spirit, but Whatever it is, we recognize God's law written on our hearts, trying to guide our lives, trying to tell us which way we should live. Now, a mistake we make all too often is we think that God's law is going to take away all of our fun. It's a common misconception about Christianity that if you want to follow Christ, you're going to miss out on the fun stuff. 
I've even heard those who say they want to postpone their decision for Christ until later in the life so that they can have a lot of fun first and then get right before they die. But they misunderstand the point. Uh, we're, when we follow the law written on our hearts, we're not denying ourselves. We're becoming our true selves. Now, the reality is, is that when we ignore that voice written on our hearts, when we ignore living the way that God calls us to live, that is an act of self-betrayal. We are betraying who we really are. But when we listen to that law written on our hearts, when we follow that still small voice, when we follow our conscience, when we follow the leadings of the Holy Spirit, we're not denying ourselves then. We're actually living into our design. We are becoming the people that we were created to be. We are actually being faithful to our true selves. When we follow God's law written on our hearts, we are becoming who we're designed to be. So, what is this law of God written on our hearts? It might be different for everyone, but surely there must be some consistency. Uh, surely it's not uh, the law in my heart is not completely at odds with the law in your heart. So what kind of assumptions can we draw? Well, the text says there's some consistency. The text leads us to the point that there are some things we can kind of count on that are going to be universal for everybody. Uh, God is portrayed as Israel's spouse. God, uh, through Jeremiah, tells Israel and Judah that God has been a spouse to them. And then the promise that God makes to them is that everyone will know God. Now, the word that's used there in the original in the Hebrew is yada. Yada can, can mean to know facts, but it is also the word that is consistently used for husbands and wives knowing each other, for knowing one another in, a, uh, in an intimate sense. Uh, Adam knew Eve and she conceived. It's the same word that's used in that verse. Now, when you consider that God has, uh, that God is portrayed as a spouse, and then uses this word yada, God's not talking about everyone knowing a bunch of stuff about God. God's not talking about everyone having a lot of Bible verses memorized or, or having a theological degree. No, what God is saying is that this law written on our hearts is based on a relationship that that God writes a law on our hearts so that we can know God in an intimate, loving way. God invites us into intimacy, into intimacy. So no matter what we may think the law of God is written on our hearts, we can be certain that it's based in love for God and love for others. In fact, when you think about the law that was written on the tablets, we talked about just a couple of weeks ago. The first four of those commandments were about loving God. The final six were about loving others. That is the foundation of the law. What God promises Jeremiah, and promises fulfilled in Jesus and in all of us, is that God will write the law on our hearts in such a way that we know, we understand what it means to love God and love one another. Anything in this life that we do has to be based on the law of love. The promise of God's law on our hearts is intimacy with God and true love with our neighbors. Maybe it looks differently in each of our lives, but every thought, every word, and every action must be guided by the law of love.
the law of God written on our hearts? I think I like the sound of it after all. Amen.